Chapter Five of Joel, a Boy of Galilee, by Annie Fellows Johnston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Esther and Simonides. Chapter Five. It was Sabbath morning in the house of Laban the Pharisee. Joel, sitting alone in the courtyard, could hear his aunt talking to the smaller children as she made them ready to take with her to the synagogue. From the upper chamber on the roof came also a sound of voices, for two guests had arrived the day before and were talking earnestly with their host. Joel already knew the object of their visit. They had been there before, when the preaching of John the Baptist had drawn such great crowds from all the cities to the banks of the Jordan. They had been sent out then by the authorities in Jerusalem to see what matter of man was this, who, clothed in skins and living in the wilderness, could draw the people so wonderfully and arouse such intense incitement. Now they had come on a like errand, although on their own authority. Another prophet had arisen, whom this John Baptist had declared to be greater than himself. They had seen him drive the money changers from the temple. They had heard many wild rumors concerning him. So they followed him to his home in the little village of Nazareth, where they heard him talk in the synagogue. They had seen the listening crowd grow amazed at the eloquence of his teaching, and then indignant that one so humble as a carpenter's son should claim that Isaiah's prophecy had been fulfilled in himself. They had seen him driven from the home of his boyhood, and now had come to Capernaum that they might be witnesses in case this impostor tried to lead these people astray by repeating his claims. All this Joel heard, and more, as the earnest voices came distinctly down to him through the deep hush of the Sabbath stillness. It shook his faith somewhat, even in the goodness of this friend of his friend Phineas, that these two learned doctors of the law should consider him an impostor. He stood aside respectfully for them to pass, as they came down the outside stairway and crossed the courtyard on their way to the morning service. Their long flowing white robes, their broad phylacteries, their dignified bearing, impressed him greatly. He knew they were wise good men, whose only aim in life was to keep the letter of the law down to its smallest details. He followed them through the streets until they came to the synagogue. They gave no greeting to anyone they passed, but walked with reverently bowed heads that their pious meditation might not be disturbed by the outside world. Her aunt had already gone by the way of the back streets, as it was customary for women to go, her face closely veiled. The synagogue, a finely chiseled limestone, with its double rows of great marble pillars stood in its white splendor the pride of the town it had been built by the commander of the garrison who though a roman centurion was a believer in the god of the hebrews and greatly loved by the whole people joel glanced up at the lintel over the door where aaron's rod and a pot of manna carved in the stone were constant reminders to the daily worshippers of the hand that fed and guided them from generation to generation joel limped slowly to his place in the congregation in the seats of honor facing it sat his uncle and his guests among the rulers of the synagogue for a moment his eyes wandered curiously around, hoping for a glimpse of the man whose fame was beginning to spread all over Galilee. It had been rumored that he would be there, but Joel saw only familiar faces. The others took their seats. During the reading of the usual psalm, the reciting of a benediction, and even the confession of the creed, Joel's thoughts wandered. When the reader took up his scroll to read the passages from Deuteronomy, the boy stole one more quick glance around. But as the whole congregation rose and turned facing the east, he resolutely fixed his mind on the duties of the hour. The eighteen benedictions, or prayers, were recited in silence by each devout worshipper. Then the leader repeated them aloud, all the congregation responding with their deep, Amen and Amen. Joel always liked that part of the service and the chanting that followed. Another roll of parchment was brought out. The boy looked up with interest. Probably one of his uncle's guests would be invited to read from it and speak to the people. No, it was a stranger whom he had not noticed before sitting behind one of the tall elders, who was thus honored. Joel's heart beat so fast that the blood throbbed against his eardrums as he heard the name called. It was a friend of his friend Phineas, the Rabbi Jesus. 
Joel bent forward, all his soul in his eyes, as the stranger unrolled the book and began to read from the prophet. The words were old familiar ones, he even knew them by heart, but never before had they carried with them such music, such meaning. When he laid aside this roll and began to speak, every fibre in the boy's being thrilled in response to the wonderful eloquence of that voice and teaching. The whole congregation sat spellbound, forgetful of everything except the earnestness of the speaker, who moved and swayed them as the wind does the waving wheat. Suddenly there arose a wild shriek, a sort of demon-like howl that transfixed them with its piercing horror. Everyone turned to see the cause of the startling sound. There, near the door, stood a man that, whom they all knew, an unhappy creature, said to be possessed of an unclean spirit. Ha! he cried in a blood-curling tone. What are we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. There was a great stir, especially in the women's gallery and those standing nearest him backed away as far as possible. Every face was curious and excited at this sudden interruption. Every face but one, the rabbi Jesus alone, was calm. Hold thy peace and come out of him, he commanded. And there was one more shriek, worse than before, as the man fell at his feet in convulsion. Within a moment he stood up again, quiet and perfectly sane. The wild look was gone from his eyes. Whatever had been the strange spell that bound him before, he was now absolutely free. There was another stir in the woman's gallery. Contrary to all rule or custom, an aged woman pushed her way out. Down the stairs she went, unveiled through the ranks of the men, to reach her son, whom she had just seen restored to reason. With a glad cry she fell forward, fainting in his arms, and was borne away to the little home, now no longer darkened by the shadow of a sore affliction. Little else was talked about that day, until the rumor of another miracle began to spread through the town. Phineas, stopping at Laban's house on his way home from an afternoon service, confirmed the truth of it. One of his neighbors had been dangerously ill with a fever that was common in that part of the country. She was the mother-in-law of Simon Barjona. It was at his home that the rabbi Jesus had been invited to dine. As soon as he entered the house, he they besought him to heal her. Standing beside her, he rebuked the fever, and immediately she arose and began to help her daughter prepare for the entertainment of their guests. Abigail was there yesterday, said Phineas, to carry some broth she had made. She thought then that it would be impossible for the poor creature to live through the night. I saw the woman a few hours ago, and she is perfectly well and strong. That night, when the sun was setting and the Sabbath was at an end, the motley crowd streamed along the street to the door of Simon Barjona. Men carried on couches, children in their mother's arms, those wasted by burning fevers, those shaken by unceasing palsy, the lame, the blind, the death-stricken, all pressing hopefully on. What a scene in that little courtyard as the sunset touched the wan faces and smiled into dying eyes. Hope for the hopeless! balm for the broken in body and spirit there was rejoicing in nearly every home in capernaum that night for none were turned away not one was refused it is written he laid his hand on every one of them and healed them that he might not seem behind his guests in zeal and devotion to the law the dignified laban would not follow the crowds let others be carried away by strong doctrines and false prophets if they will he declared as for me and my household we will cling to the true faith of our fathers so the three sat in the upper chamber on the roof, and discussed the new teacher with many shakes of their wise heads. It is not lawful to heal on the Sabbath day, they declared. Twice during the past day he has openly transgressed the law. He will lead all Galilee astray. But Galilee carried little how far the path turned from the narrow faith of the Pharisees, so long as it led to life and healing. Down in the garden below, the children climbed up on the grape arbor and peered through the vines at the surging crowds which they would have joined had it not been for Laban's strict commands. One by one, they watched people whom they knew go by, some carried on litters, some leaning on the shoulders of friends. One man crawled painfully along on his hands and knees. After a while, the same people began to come back. 
Look quick, Joel!" one of the children cried. "There goes Simon ben Levi! Why, his palsy all gone! He doesn't shake a bit now, and there's little Martha that lives out near Aunt Rebecca's. Don't you know how white and thin she looked when they carried her by a little while ago? See, she is running along by herself now as well as we are. The children could hardly credit their own sense of sight, when neighbors they had known all their lives to be bedridden invalids came back cured, singing and praising God. It was a sight they never could forget, so they watched wonderingly till darkness fell and the last happy-hearted healed one had gone home to a rejoicing household. While the fathers on the roof were deciding they would have naught of this man, the children in the grave arbor were storing up in their simple little hearts these proofs of his power and kindness. Then they gathered around Joel on the doorstep, while he repeated the story that the old shepherd Hebert had told him, of the angels and the star and the baby they had worshipped at night in Bethlehem. "'Come, children,' called his Aunt Leah, as she lit the lamp that was to burn all night. "'Come, it is bedtime.' His cousin Hannah lingered a moment after the others had gone in to say, "'That was a pretty story, Joel. Why don't you go and ask the good man to straighten your back?' Strange as it may seem, this was the first time the thought had occurred to him that he might be benefited himself. He had been so long accustomed to thinking of himself as hopelessly lame, that the wonderful cures he had witnessed had awakened no hope for himself. A new life seemed to open up before him at the little girl's question. He sat on the doorstep thinking about it until his uncle Laban came down and crossly ordered him to go to bed. He went in, saying softly to himself, "'I will go to him to-morrow, yes, early in the morning.' Strange that an old proverb should cross his mind just then. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. End of chapter five. Recording by Esther Ben Simonite.